Zombies. This is what I've been thinking about this week. Uh, I think it might be partly because, you know, we had this smoke all week, and true confession, I'm the um, type that goes immediately to apocalyptic horror. Uh, I said to David, okay, this is just what it's going to be every year for the rest of our lives in August. We're going to have to plan to be away from Seattle. It's like the end of the world, and then the sky's clear and everything's okay. Uh, but zombies, apocalyptic zombie drama has become very popular these days. How many of you have ever seen a zombie movie? Raise your hands. Come on. Keep your hands up. How many of you ever saw Michael Jackson's thriller video? Okay, see, you've seen zombies. Zombies are everywhere these days. Zombies originally um, were what? They're bodies without their spirit. Right? The whole idea of a zombie came out of voodoo, that somebody could raise a body and it didn't have a, a spirit, and then that body was kind of the slave of that person. And then we get films in the 60s, like Night of the Living Dead, where you get a group of these zombies who are, who are doing things. And then somewhere in the last 10, 20 years, uh, we started getting these zombie infections where like, people bite each other as zombies, and it's, it's, it's this fear of pandemics. And so just these spiritless, nameless, uh, all-consuming uh, uh, creatures that you have to survive against. And these days, the how many, if, I've never watched the, the show, but there's this show, The Walking Dead. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I guess so. Tim's like, what? Why are you looking at me, Lori? I have no idea. <laughs> but the, the, big, the big interest, apparently, is it's these survivalist dramas. How is this small band of survival, survivors going to, 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 to survive against this zombie horror that's coming in? I mean, they've, they've even done Pride and Prejudice zombies. I did see that one. So zombies during Whist. Anyway, apparently these things come up in times of anxiety. Social scientists, folks who actually think about this stuff more than I do, have, have, have written that part of the reason we like horror films, and these zombie films in particular, is in t they're kind of cathartic in, in times when people are concerned about uh, pandemics or hordes or, or others consuming, taking them, they get a survivalist moving internally, this is my tribe and we'll protect each other kind of feeling. And so they can be a catharsis. Now, you're probably wondering, Lori, why are we bringing all of this up this morning? Well, I don't know. It may not relate. But here's why I brought it up. We're looking at the church as the body of Christ and the importance of the Holy Spirit to that body. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because nobody wants to be a zombie church, a body without a spirit. But the other reason I'm bringing it up is because in a time of great anxiety, we've got a better story. We've got a much better story than zombie apocalypse. We have a story of resurrection. And in the passages we're looking at today from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 sits in this, this sort of whole section of writing in Paul's letter to the churches, the believers in Corinth, that starts in chapter 11, it goes all the way through chapter 15. And what chapter 15 focus, focuses on is this good news story of the resurrection. Basically, Paul is saying to the Corinthians and to us these days through this letter, we're called to be a resurrection people, to embody this good news, which is the polar opposite of zombie church, 
that we believe in the resurrection. We believe there will be an apocalypse and it will be Jesus returning to establish his kingdom as Lord and Savior when justice rolls down and everything is restored. We believe that good is yet to come. And the way we live out that belief by the power of the Holy Spirit tells a better story. And it's within that whole arc that this one chapter we're about to look at fits. It's a chapter where Paul writes about the body of Christ and about the different gifts that we have. And it may seem a little harsh to claim that the, the body of Christ with, with no submission to the Holy Spirit is more like a zombie church. And I, you need to hear this real clearly. I'm not saying UPC's a zombie church, right, <laughs> at all. But haven't you met people who have basically been completely traumatized by a church they've been in? That when the church is not fully in submission to the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Jesus Christ, others get hurt. And so this is why this chapter is very important for us as we continue this theme of how we live out the greater things that Jesus has called us to. I promise that's the last you're gonna hear about zombies in this sermon. But what we are gonna to turn to now is the Apostle Paul. This is, a, this is a, Paul's just so good. And because, you know, I'm a Pauline scholar, I can't leave any of them out. So here's what I wanna do. The whole chapter is very important. We can't all stand and read the whole chapter. Very long, he's very long-winded. So what we're going to do is I want to read the whole chapter to us. And then I am going to have a stand and just read together verses 1 through 7, because that's more where I'm preaching on. But we need to hear the whole. So listen now for the word of the Lord before we read the word of the Lord together. And as you listen, listen for these different ministries that Jesus Christ gives us, as Pastor Aaron spoke about two weeks ago in his sermon, Every Member a Minister. Listen for the theme of Jesus Christ as Lord, which was Mike's topic last week. But pay atten special attention as you're listening to the Holy Spirit in this passage. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of working miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, oh, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as God chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistant, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now, as you're able, will you stand and join me in reading again, now that we've heard all that? Chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Listen carefully. We're hearing the word of the Lord. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So as you heard, there's a lot in this passage that's very good. It's, it, and, it's, and this passage has carried a lot of freight in the church. A lot of things get talked about with this body metaphor that Paul uses later on in the chapter. So today, though, I want to give us a reminder. Today is mainly a reminder about just two things that Paul says. And he says them in chapter four, in verse four, when he says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. This is what we're going to focus on today, is the varieties of gift, the distinction of gift, the diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. The distinction of gifts are the two things from the Holy Spirit that we're focusing on today. And it's important as we focus on them to notice what he says, though, in the verses before, 
when he says in verse 3, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here's why that verse is so important. This is the job description of the Holy Spirit among us as God's people. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring the reign and the lordship of Jesus Christ to all places. What the Holy Spirit does is give God's people the capacity to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. This is the Holy Spirit's job. And that may seem, you know, kind of a little simple, right? Well, pff, who can't say that? Jesus Christ is Lord. But this isn't what, what, the way you would have heard it in the first century. For you as a believer to confess Jesus Christ as Lord was to have your entire life aligned to the lordship, the sovereignty, of course, of Jesus Christ. So there's a comfort in this that if you're sitting there wondering right now whether or not the Holy Spirit lives and works in your life, here's the comfort. If you are able to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. This doesn't depend on you. The Holy Spirit isn't something you gin up in your soul. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. But to live out, to continue to participate in the gift of the Holy Spirit, to continue to walk with the Holy Spirit, means that we continue to learn what it is for Jesus Christ to be Lord in every area of life. The reason we gather together as God's people in this place in worship is to be encouraged and built up to live out the Lordship of Jesus Christ in everywhere that we go from this place. So we, Jesus is Lord of my work. Jesus is Lord of my family. Jesus is Lord of my body. Jesus is Lord of my relationship with my neighbors. Jesus is Lord of my relationship with those with whom I disagree or my enemies. Jesus is Lord. You see where this is going? And this is a Herculean task, to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to live out the reign of Jesus Christ in all places, when we know that in all places there are spiritual forces that work against the reign and the lordship of Jesus Christ, just as there are individuals who work against the reign and the lordship of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is, is essential if we are to live under the rule or the reign of Jesus Christ. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she's got great candor. She knew she needed to apologize to somebody, and she looks at me, she goes, I just don't like apologizing. <laughs> And I said, well, what if you just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me apologize? That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. But we don't think of this, do we? Because here's what we do as Christians far too easily, is we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and then we get on with it. And we figure that in our power and our activity, we're supposed to live this out. When we have this gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live under the reign and the lordship of Jesus in all areas. When I was working on that PhD that took me forever and a day to complete, I would go up to work and I just, and I would have to pray every day, Holy Spirit, would you give me the grace and some energy to work on this? I hate this. But this is what the, the Holy Spirit gives us the grace and the energy. And in this verse, if you look at verse 6, when our translation says there are varieties of activities, but the same God who activates all of them and everyone, the activities is the best we can translate that, but it doesn't capture what's actually going on. Activity sounds like, you know, one person stuffs bulletin, another person sets up communion. That's not what Paul's talking about. Activity, Paul has made the promise to each of his congregations that we hear in Thessalonians, that God is actively working among you. So there's a variety of places where God is actively at work, but it's the same God working. This is what the Holy Spirit does, actively goes to work 
to bring all things and all people under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about gifts, charismata, what we're talking about are graces. It's just the plural of grace. It's particular graces for particular services or tasks that God has given us to get done. Paul's saying this, if the Lord has called you to a ministry or a service, a way to serve Jesus Christ as the one Lord, then the Lord will also give you the grace to do it. And there are a variety of graces and gifts and ways to do this. Kenneth Bailey, who writes quite a bit about reading Paul through Mediterranean eyes, has, a, has what I think is a great example of this. He, he says, you know, if, if God has decided to, to clean up the house and you get given a certain room to go in and clean, the gift is the broom to get it done, right? Here's the good news in this passage. When God has called you to a certain ministry of service, God has given you the Holy Spirit to work in and through you, given you a gift of the Holy Spirit to undertake that task in a way that the Lordship of Jesus Christ takes hold in that place. This is what the Holy Spirit does, and this is what the gifts are for. And here's why this is so important. Sometimes, you know, the way we talk about gifts in the church, it's almost like you become a Christian, you get this welcome packet, right? Here's your welcome packet. And then you open it up and see which gifts you got, right? It's like, oh, I got hospitality. Oh, cool, I got faith. Oh, great, I got celibacy. There's <laughs> all these things that are talked about as gifts. And we talk about gifts like they're commodities, okay? So there's that gift of music. There's that gift of prayer. There's that gift of faith. There's, we talk about them like they're commodities. The gifts are never a commodity in the New Testament. This is the power that the Holy Spirit is giving you to serve Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no such thing as a gift without the Holy Spirit activating it. This is what makes it a Holy Spirit gift. So we, we, we receive these, and sometimes I think we, we talk about having spiritual gifts, and then we, we just go about things under our own steam and our own human effort. I mean, here at UPC, we're a pretty high-functioning congregation. We've got a lot of really high-functioning people. And that's, that's to the delight and glory of God. But the danger in that is we can kind of go, well, I know I'm somebody with the you know, gift of hospitality and humor. I'm just going to go work with youth, and, and I'll do great. And that's the wrong way to talk about gifts. These are spiritual, these are, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, and it's as we are submitted and uh, uh, obedient to the Holy Spirit that we are then empowered by that spirit with the grace that we are being called to do in all places. And part of the reason it's important to Paul that when we come together, we encourage and, and we share our gifts with one another is so that we can build one another up to go out and what other, wherever other you place, you have been called to serve Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your work, in your life, in your neighborhood. You are built up and encouraged in, in what it will take for you to do that service there, in the confidence that the Holy Spirit is working through you. The gifts of the Spirit are the resources or the capacity to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to serve under the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his world and in the church. Now, in Corinth, it just so happened that the gifts of tongues was a big deal. In the first century, this gift of speaking of tongues indicated that God's new age had come, that Jesus who rose from the dead really was Lord, that both Jews and Gentiles were a part of this. And so in Corinth, this particular gift had a particular function in the church. 
It let people know, hey, we're no longer slave, free, Jew, Gentile. These social diversities, these social divisions don't define who we are. What defines who we are is this one spirit, this one God, this one Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, and so this is why the tongues were such, a, such an issue in Corinth. Uh, but for any of us reading this, whether or not that's the issue, that what Paul is calling them back to is what you need to focus on isn't this gift of tongues, but the one spirit who's giving it. What you need to focus on is that this, this, these, these gifts, these graces, these powers that the spirit gives are all in order to do service in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which also means that God can be completely flexible in empowering different particular services and ministries with different gifts as you need them. When Don goes into the prison and, and goes to love and, and know and serve and share Jesus Christ with people who are imprisoned, uh, the Holy Spirit gives Don the gifts that he needs for that ministry. He can be confident of that, uh, that the gifts will be there. And the importance of being confident in those gifts and actually focusing on gifts as a congregation came home to me when um, at another church I had a friend named Marianne, and Marianne was on session. And, and we were talking at one point about her role as an elder. And she said, you know, Lori, she happened to be an HR professional, human resources. She was on the personnel committee. She says, you know, Lori, in my role as an elder, I know how to do personnel and HR. So when I come in, I, I work out of that strength. That's, a, that's the capacity that I have, that I know how to do. What I don't know how to do, I don't know what spiritual gifts come in here. And her critique of the way that we did session at this other church was she said, you know, we're just having everybody bounce around in their own strengths and capacities, and we're not talking about spiritual gifts. I need a community that helps me discover the spiritual gifts, the, the ways that the Holy Spirit is working through me to bring grace to this community in all of our ministries and all of our services. And what she could be confident of is that if she asked before she came to session for the Holy Spirit to activate his grace in her, that would happen versus coming in in her own strength to that gathering and what she was doing. And then also, it was a matter of being curious and willing to submit those natural strengths in humble vulnerability. You know what she discovered? That one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit consistently gave her in that role was empathy and compassion. It was a pretty important combination for an HR professional who was doing that role in a church that then entered into a whole lot of conflict. The Holy Spirit knew the exact gift that was known. And so how do we, how do we discover these different gifts is the question. Well, what we find in, in, in chapter 12, what you see all through Paul, is that these gifts are discovered in community. How many of you have ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Be honest, there's all sorts of these tests out there, right? I have a friend, this is my favorite story, he took a spiritual gifts test when he was joining a church. It wasn't this church, it was another Presbyterian church. But he takes this whole test and he gets to the end and he's just freaked out. And he's freaked out because he's come up with the gift of exorcism. <laughs> now, I don't even know what questions you would put on to figure out exorcism, right? Do children's heads start doing 360 when you walk in the room? I, I don't even know how that happens. For his case, he moved his, his little answer key one up. He missed one question, so everything was coming out exorcism, right? <laughs> but it's a humorous way of exposing, kind of in, in a very individualistic West, where, how we sometimes go after these gift tests, right? 
It's natural of us not only to rely on our own abilities rather than the grace of the Holy Spirit working through us, but it's also natural of us in our, our whole, we're just soaked in a culture that's going for self-actualization, self-fulfillment. Learn as much as you can about yourself to know what you have to bring. This is not the way the New Testament talks about gifts. Paul goes on in chapter 13 of Corinthians to give a master class in love. The way that New Testament talks about gifts in Corinthians and also in Romans is Paul says, get in there and love one another. Get in there and humbly serve. And the community will call out the gifts that you have. It's the community around you that calls out your gifts. Now, it's also true that the Holy Spirit, because God's smart and well-ordered, will oftentimes, you know, activate some of the same gifts in certain individuals and will recognize that and will call that out and place that in certain roles. But it's through being in community that we discover the gifts. So it's not that we walk in and say, hi, I am speaking in tongues, or I am somebody who does hospitality, or I am a leader. It's the community that says, you know what? You are this. I'll give an example. When I, uh, when I walk into a room, it's not that I can't do compassion. I can be compassionate, but <laughs> you're laughing. But when I walk into a room, it's not like everyone in the room who's on my team goes, hey, compassion just walked in. Nobody says that <laughs> when I walk in, right? But we have this UW Embrace group that meets at our home on Monday nights. It's, it's faculty members and students from the university. And I'll tell you, when Dee Dee Prentice walks in, it's like compassion just walked in the room. The Holy Spirit consistently works through Dee Dee, not simply that she's compassionate, but she sucks compassion out of other people. When Dee Dee's in the conversation, right, other people, it's not simply that she brings compassion and empathy, but suddenly there's empathy in the room. She pulls it out of the body, if that makes sense, right? We have other people in that room. We have um, Tom, and Tom is a scientist. And, and, and in here, the words of knowledge that Paul talks about, Augustine said those, that's science is what he figured those words of knowledge were. But Tom's a scientist. And it's not just that Tom's good at doing science, cosmology. He knows about the cosmos in his work that he does. But when he sits in that group and he talks about how God has created humanity to understand the cosmos, to engage the cosmos, the whole group suddenly has a greater sense of wonder of the knowledge of God as expressed in the universe. Do you see what I'm saying? This is how gifts start to work and tend to work. Is certain individuals, when the Holy Spirit works through their lives and Jesus is Lord, just pull out these different expressions of Jesus in the body of Christ. And this is where we get to the variety of gifts. Because do you remember all the things Jesus did? Right? Remember how he healed? Do, do you remember how he taught? And, and the words that he used to teach? Do you remember the wisdom with which Jesus engaged the Pharisees? Do you, do you remember Jesus' empathy, his compassion when he cried at the, at the grave of his, of his uh, friend, Lazarus? Do you, do you remember how good Jesus was at celebrating and at welcoming people? Do you remember the way he spoke truth? Jesus, as the fullness of God, did all of these different things. And so all of these different, it's not simply that he did certain ministries, but the grace that came through those ministries went out and transformed people. And so when we come together as the body of Christ to be the enlivened, resurrected body of Christ in the world, what the Holy Spirit does, and this is why Jesus said we'd do greater things, what the Holy Spirit does is enliven and give power and gives God's activity through these different gifts 
so that these ministries reflect Jesus in our midst and in the world. And here's the good news. As we start to recognize these variety of gifts, and there's so many different gifts. There's a list of maybe 20 in the New Testament, but it's not meant to be exhaustive. It's just these were the gifts that empowered the services that showed that Jesus Christ was Lord in Corinth or in Rome or in Ephesus. And there are gifts that empower the services that show that Jesus Christ is Lord in Seattle. And as we as a community get curious, as we as a community learn this art of being fully submitted to the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, and then serving in love out of those gifts, we begin to learn where it is that the Holy Spirit especially likes to use us in our life as we apply that in places outside of these walls. I'll tell you one little story of where I learned this. And you know, I work all the time in the church, so I've only got one story for this. I'm gonna use it right here. There's only one time that I've had to use some gifts that weren't these talking at you, preaching prophetic kind of gifts in the, in the, in the church. And it's when I got called out on jury duty. Has anybody else done jury duty? Raise your hand. You're groaning. I loved it. But, but I'm a pastor, right? So I can take time to go do jury duty. Come on. So anyway, I went and I did jury duty. Now, nobody wants a uh, preacher on jury duty, <laughs> okay? I think they only left me on the jury because they'd already used all their strikes on other people. So I'm on jury duty, right? But here's something I learned in the body of Christ. I was in a small group, and there were times when I was in other churches when the, the preaching gift just demanded a lot. And, and, and sometimes, you know, frequently, Paul always, always, always talks about gifts coming out of weakness. So just because it's a natural strength of yours doesn't mean you've got a gift there. It seems like the Holy Spirit and grace really likes to work through weakness. And so the, the preaching was a place where it was just constantly, it was a hard place. And a friend used to say to me in the small group all the time, you are not your gift. You are not your gift. You ask Jesus for what you need to do that gift, but you are not your gift. You're Jesus' beloved. And the same small group would constantly affirm, hey, you know, we, we, you give us the gift of hospitality. There's something that happens when you pull us all together. There's the Holy Spirit works through you to create a sense of hospitality. So in this jury room, and this was a very difficult jury. It was a drive-by shooting. It was a very traumatic jury to be on. Um, so I just started bringing donuts and asked questions, you know, started asking questions of people to get their stories. Other people started getting, bringing food. We got this reputation in the courthouse that the best food was in this particular jury room. We'd have bailiffs and things come through. Um, and, and there was a community then that built up in that jury room. We only had to deliberate for a couple of hours. It was, it was a beautiful experience. The reign of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took over in that jury room. Not because like Lori Wheeler likes donuts, but because the Holy Spirit wants to do that. The Holy Spirit will work through your gifts. And so as we learn our gifts together in full submission to the Holy Spirit as a community, we equip people who are going to jobs they don't like, who are going to places that are sucking the life out of them, who are going to situations that are difficult, who are going to jobs that they love, who are going to interesting places in all things, whether it's a place of rejoicing or a place of grieving, to be fully submitted to the Holy Spirit, to receive the grace, the gift necessary, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in that place. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the reminder that you give us your Holy Spirit as a gift. Forgive us for where we're just so self-focused and, 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 and self-driven. 
Give us the grace that we need to receive the power of your Holy Spirit every day. Give us eyes to see where you want us to love and to serve. And we pray, Lord Jesus, as a community, that we will be more curious, more concerned about spiritual gifts in one another, about where your Holy Spirit shows up and what you draw out. And we pray that through that, you will equip us in all places to serve you as Lord and Savior in the fullness of the grace of your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray all of this. Amen.